I'm Jakub Woigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about API security or application programming interface security. We're chatting about how businesses use APIs, why hackers would want to target APIs, and what to do to prevent attacks. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how you can secure your API traffic. I'm joined by Craig Stewart from Endemic. Craig, welcome. Good morning, Aku. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. So we always uh, start uh, the show by just uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself. Cool. So my name is Craig. Um, I've been in the IT industry for probably 20, 20 plus years or so, across many continents over in the UK and Australia, uh, Middle East. Came back home in 2015 and um, ran the technical team for Nutanix. And okay. as of last year, August, a couple of us broke away and formed our own business. And one of the key areas that we're focusing on right now is, is API security. So, so when I when I met you and you and you spoke about it so passionately and so in depth that I, I was uh, really struck by uh, it's such a obvious thing that uh, is is almost overlooked in in everyday business. So um, let's jump into it. So maybe maybe just as a starting point, um, what is an API and and how is it relevant to business these days? Okay, I think the easiest way to explain it is if we look at it from a different angle and go, we understand what a user interface is, right? It's effectively how humans connect to computers. This is what we do in terms of how we operate you know, on computers. APIs are is a connection between computers and applications. It's effectively what it is. It's not designed to be used by humans, and it's how applications um, integrate and how they talk to each other. So that's effectively what an API is. So it's a software interface. That just brokers communication between servers, applications, and services. So I think when when uh, when we spoke about it the last time, so you'll have a, a front end interface, be it a website or a or an app, and that uh, and that uh, like a banking app as an example, and mm-hmm. that might then in the in the background go and speak to to different databases, for example. Correct. I, you know, I think the easiest way to kind of break this down into more of a high-level view is we'll just kind of relate it to sort of everyday type task, right? One of the things we know here in South Africa, if we're going into, you know, to renew your license disc, you're sitting in or standing in this never-ending queue. Um, and effectively, what you want to do is you want to renew your license disc, right? It's just like a human thing to do. So when we renew a license disc, we, we call that a request in the world of API. So the request is... You know, I need to do something. Then we fill in information on the form, um, and that is what we would refer to as the schema. So this is the information we're inputting into the form. And in order to request, you know, the license, we need to now authenticate ourselves. So we hand over our ID book. They look at us, make sure that they're the right person. Now we've actually authenticated. That, in a nutshell, is effectively what an API does. There's a request. There is information that you fulfill in that request. You authenticate and then you get a response back. So in very high-level terms, that's what an API does. So back to your point, if you think about a banking application, as a user on a mobile web application, for example, on my phone, browser, it doesn't really matter. I'm requesting information that needs to belong to me. I'm associated with an ID. That ID then passes through a series of steps to be authenticated in. Am I that user? Do I get my information? And then I get all, all the stuff coming back. For example, my car loan, my home loan, my credit card details, all of the transactions I've done over time. That is the world of APIs. And today, 
you know, there's reports probably around 83 or 80, 80% plus of internet traffic today is based on APIs. Yeah, I, it's amazing, <clears throat> but I mean, I, I mean, I think if, if we think about it, uh, yeah, there's virtually, there's so many apps and, and websites and places where we as a, as an end user subscribe to or log on to. It's like you say, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's massive. No, it's huge. So, so, um, and then with that, uh, we know anything that, that lives on the internet, then, then, um, you, poses a potential security risk um, to a business or, or organization. Um, you shared some information with me around <coughs> around Gartner and, and how they believe that this API is the is the new hotkey on the block, if we can call it like that, uh, in the security world. Why is it so so prevalent? I think the reality is APIs today are at the heart of digital transformation. Right? It's what's allowing organizations in this new world that we live in to expose their services and to provide a lot more services to their customers in an online fashion. That's, that's the gist of what is going on in terms of where APIs are becoming such a big part. There's a shift towards you know, moving away from what we would deem monolithic type applications to a microservice type architecture. So what we mean by that is a monolithic application is where we've grouped a whole bunch of applications in a single instance. And now in the microservice architecture, we are now uncoupling that. When you uncouple that, it just provides you with bigger scale, far more agility. You, you can upgrade and add more features into the into the application itself. And all of this is underpinned by by APIs. Right? It's it's just a common thing today, and it's a and it's a big shift into what they would call or deem cloud native applications. And it's growing rapidly. And the the reality is, is that they're flexible and easy to use, but they're also exceptionally powerful in terms of what they can get. So the way that I translate this back into how you should think about API and specifically API security is think about any person in an organization. When you sign up into a company, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be, they've got to know who you are, right? That's typically information that's held in an HR system, for example, who you are, your details, date of birth, all the ID numbers, where you come from, etc. The next thing is they've got to authenticate you into the environment, so that you have access into their resources. And outside of that, they've got to know what role you play in the business and then more importantly, what that access looks like and what you have access to. And APIs have to behave in exactly the same way. You need to know how many APIs you've got. You need to know what they're actually doing in terms of how much of this data are they exposing to the organization and outside the organization. And then you have to authenticate. So you have to make sure that Depending on the information that you're providing or exposing as part of these APIs, you've got to be able to authenticate them and make sure that they are secure in every way, shape, or form. The problem is API sprawl is a massive problem, and there's a huge amount of this out in the business today. Purely because of the, the popularity and the scale of the APIs. Absolutely. So, so, so why would a hacker target an API? What can they gain from it? Well, if you look at, you know, we'll go through that in a little bit more detail later on in terms of the breaches that's happened within the API space, but they're going to target this to get information, right? And information is, is money. They're going to be able to take this information, go back to the organization, demand some kind of monetary exchange to ensure that this information doesn't get onto the web. That's effectively what they're doing. APIs are becoming now one of the most frequented attack vectors. Gartner's predicted that a couple of years ago, that by 2022, that there would be a huge amount of attack happening within the API space. 
the problem is is that the landscape has changed drastically because we're all in a distributed working in what we would deem a distributed model so there's some working from home some working at the office the entire working environment has changed we we are accessing environments remotely sometimes you know in the office right it's easy to contain in the office when you expose all of these things out and you're trying to make your business as you know as efficient as possible in terms of what services you provide to your customer You've got to open up a lot of these different things that we generally normally didn't have to. APIs at the heart of that. So if you're not protecting these APIs and, you know, in terms of what are they actually doing, where, what data do they expose, and how are you securing that, then you're going to go into the API breaches. And there's been some serious um, breaches that's happened in the past where, for example, and this is all available online, by the way. You can have a look at how they were done. But, you know, one of the most popular ones is what they would deem a bowler attack, which is effectively a broken object-level authorization. So how this, again, goes back to the authentication piece. Okay. Where me as a user, I log in with a user ID. But in my response, I then go and flip it and get someone else's user ID. And then it means I'm able to return his details back. The U.S. postal system, 16 million customer data was exposed as a part of this. Just to give wow. you an example, um, it's the number one attack, but 40% of API attacks happen through Bola. And that is just, again, going back into the authentication piece. So it's relevant. It's really happening. And, you know, if you look at some of the, the major content delivery networks, the amount of API attacks that are happening is in the millions. And uh, it's important to understand what your API landscape looks like. So... Um as you were talking now, um, I actually um, I wanted to ask you now to to give us a real life example of, of of what you've experienced in terms of that. But before I get there, um, why um, why is it so prevalent? Because I mean, surely there's a, everybody's got a firewall that they can that's going to protect you. Why why is is this API security such a big problem? It's a big problem because it's unique in the way that traditional security tooling is not going to understand the business logic of the API, right? So it's the context of the API. So if we look at data, for example, data without context is useless, right? If you don't know what, what, what this data is actually doing or what it is trying to do, and you don't know the context behind it, it's absolutely useless because then you don't know how to actually go out and extract the information that you need. So it's important that traditional tooling looks at it in a, in a more of a transactional view. So a firewall looks at, you know, a transaction coming in. It understands what the packet is doing. It understands what the process behind the packet is. And it's going to make decisions based on two things, right? Either it's a signature-based event where it's going to understand that this is a SQL injection, a cross-site scripting uh, issue, and it's going, to go and, it's going to go and prevent that. APIs are completely different because there's a business logic behind them. It's something that the API is trying to do to get information for a particular person. So the attack vector is changing in that it's not a transactional view. You can't look at it at one transaction at a time. You have to understand kind of like this whole movie. Okay. So this is really what they call this low and slow sequence of API calls that attackers are doing. So they're manipulating some APIs, and the reality is they're trying to reverse engineer the API to understand what it is that it's doing. And until they figured all of that out, they then go and launch the actual attack because they don't want to get one person's data. They don't want to get two people. They want to get millions of it. So they're not going to do that in one in one hit at a time. They've got to go and sort of sequentially keep on trying and understand. It's a, it's a reconnaissance phase. And then, and then if I understand the, uh, the, the way that you're explaining is is that uh, slow attack, uh, it, it 
looks like human behavior. So, so a firewall with a, a generic policy on it is, is gonna it's gonna look normal to it. It can't do because it's contextual based. So okay. it has to understand the logic of what this API is actually trying to do. That's the key thing. So when you think about protecting APIs, you've got to make sure that you understand the business logic of the APIs, what the API is trying to do, uh, the information it's actually trying to extract, and more importantly, what the end game is, right? Going back to what I was saying earlier on, on the, you know, from a bowler perspective in it's, you've got to know who's authenticating. You have to make sure that you are validating that that person is authenticating is that person. And he only gets to see the data that he can see. So it's, you know, it's a completely different, uh, uh attack vector and it's a completely different security model. Um, and, and so, um, we, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, we, we always, uh, when we talk about these examples, we talk about what's happened internationally. And like I said to you earlier, um, I often get the sense that in, uh, you know, we believe in South Africa, we're so small and insignificant, uh, you know, nobody's going to, uh, come and bother to, to, Try and uh, compromise us. Um, give us some real life examples. I mean, obviously, you don't have to name names, but give us some real life examples of how people have exploited um, APIs. Exactly what I've been saying about attack, right? There was one that happened quite a while ago. Um, as I said, you know, it, it is online and you can have a look uh, where they were able to expose customer da- customer data. Um, that shouldn't have been exposed to them. So I've used, for example, what they would have done is used their account ID to log on to a system and then being able to manipulate the, the response to refer back to your, your account details. Okay. So then you start to get your information and it's everything that that system has on you is what I'm able to extract. And then you can get really, really smart and you can automate a lot of this stuff and you can then just loop through a whole bunch of different numbers and sequentially keep changing them and you will start to get all these IDs that are referenced by, you know, by those unique ID numbers. And that is why Ebola is so, so severe. It's the OS top 10 threat number one on the list. Um, and, and then I, I assume, um, uh, Due to the nature of the attack, it's not something that you walk into the office and you realize, well, flip, uh, we've been hacked. No, the biggest question that we typically ask most of the customers we're dealing with right now is how many APIs do you have? <laughs> right. And, 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 and if you don't know that, how much, how much data are you, expo- are you exposing as part of those APIs? And if someone is attacking your API right now, how would you know? Those are the three key questions that we ask. Um, most of the time, the, you know, we don't, we don't get the, the response that you would ideally be looking for because it is just this new shift into, into this digital trans- transformation in terms of how they're exposing their services. So, you know, those are three key questions that you have to be able to ask yourself because APIs and applications generally in this world today are not just on premise anymore. There's public cloud. There's this hybrid way of, you know, whether I'm running some applications in my own data center, whether I'm running some applications in a colo, whether I'm running some applications in the public cloud. These things are all over the place. So you have to centrally be able to aggregate all of this and then understand what the behavior of these APIs are so that you can then have a better understanding of what your landscape looks like, what data you're exposing, and then how do you kind of protect yourself against that. So, and I think I know what the answer is, but uh, when you ask that question around how many APIs uh, a business uses, um, what's the accuracy in terms of feedback that you typically get? Probably anywhere between 40% uh, of what people think they've got. That's kind of the numbers that they're looking at. Wow, that's just so just this amazing black hole that you have sitting there. Um, so, um, 
if if you now ask me that question and I don't know, how will I how will how can how can I tell how many APIs I'm actually really using? So you've got to first be able to discover and <clears throat> and understand how many APIs you currently got. And here's the, the, the key is the discovery process is just not at a, you know, at inception. It's at, it's, it's continuously at runtime because think about it this way. Most organizations, as they're kind of trying to get ahead of the competition in terms of what services they deliver and the features and the capabilities, um, they're continually changing, right? These aren't static, uh, uh, APIs. These are, these are APIs that are changing to either enhance the business, add new features, expose new capabilities that you're trying to launch as part of your go to market strategy, but it's continuously evolving. And so it's evolving at a rate that realistically you cannot contain, right? In terms of what the traditional security tooling, um, that, that's around. Okay. Because in the traditional sense, it's a manual effort. Right. Most of this is, is going to be dependent on a human. So we're Yikes. depending on humans documenting these APIs, understanding what the schemas look like, and then what the responses need to look like. But these are evolving in a continuous fashion. Uh, so, yeah, and it's, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think, uh, so the, to me, uh, people in this API world are, are developers, right? Correct. And, I, and if I, I, my experience of developers, I don't think that, I think they, the guys can code, but they're not necessarily that good at, at documenting. And it's like you say, the pace just, it's moving too fast. Yeah. They've got a mandate, you know, to, to continually accelerate the business in terms of what they're offering to, to their customers. And sometimes you might outsource some of that functionality. Exactly. Right. So there's, there's different API types you've got to think about. So whether it's public APIs, internal APIs, third party APIs, um, external APIs, you know, these are all different different types of APIs that are available today. And then, then you've got to look into the different types of protocols that you're going to be using, right? So predominantly today, it's RESTful. Um, GraphQL is an API developer, Facebook, that is now becoming really relevant. Um, they developed it because they wanted to reduce the amount of web, web traffic that Facebook was consuming because they wanted to be a bit more specific about the data that they wanted from, you know, from these APIs. So these things are all changing, right? So you've got, now you've got different protocols of APIs that you've got to manage. Mm. So you have GraphQL, you have RESTful, um, gRPC, which is Google's, uh, RPC APIs. Those are heavily used in microservices, <clears throat> really efficient. That's the cloud native application we spoke a bit earlier about. So now you've got different types of APIs. You've got different protocols of APIs and you and I have to, ensure that the human is now controlling how these things are functioning and how they're being documented and how they're being secured. So it is a, a mammoth task because if you think about large financial uh, institutions, retail industry, banking, um, it's a lot of volume. It's a huge amount of volume for, for anyone to kind of, you know, govern. And well, so that's, that has been, you know, typically where vulnerabilities have leaked through as part of, you know, this, this new API world. Well, I was sitting, uh, while we were busy chatting now, just, just if you look in the retail space, what happened with this in the last two years of pande- pandemic? I mean, all of these online shopping apps that's developed and all that type of stuff. It's, yeah, it's uh, the growth of it is just so, so massive. So, um, Greg, my last question is, if, if I now listen to this, uh, and to me, uh, when I, when I, when we talk about this, the mammothness of this, uh, of this environment, uh, it, it almost sounds a little bit overwhelming. Mm. So if, 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 uh, I had to get you in, where, where do I start? Where do I start by understanding or, or getting a grip on, on the situation? So you got to look at the key questions that I spoke a little bit earlier on, right? Is, is understanding how many APIs you've got? Um, and, how much of this data are you exposing as your business? And then how are you securing your current APIs? So 
to be able to do this, you need to understand that we need to take the human out the loop as much as possible. The only realistic way to handle the amount of volumes that we're talking about is in a, is in a cloud-scale big data engine. So, you know, from an endemic perspective, we, we currently uh, support a software called Salt Security, which yeah. is an API-specific focused platform to handle this exactly what we've been talking about. So they've built these, they've built a large cloud-scale data, big data engine with AI and ML. So it's a lot of machine learning built into that, where they now feed the, where you feed a copy of the traffic in your environment into this, uh, this big data engine. And because it understands the contextual behavior of the API, it can now go in and understand what this API is trying to do. And then more importantly, when someone is attacking your API, it's going to start tracking these APIs based on anomalies. Ah. Right? So it's going to baseline these APIs to a hundred or to hundreds of attributes out the box. There's no human intervention required. It's going to start, you know, classifying you know, what parameters of the API are sensitive, whether they're the correct param- parameters based on the API definition. And then it's going to look at if any of these things starting to change. So this is where we talk about that low sequence of uh, API calls. This is where it's going to start tracking that. And as soon as it identifies that you have someone who's actually trying to attack your API based on the OS top 10 and many more, because there's a lot more uh, uh, involvement on the API side, it's going to then start to look at how to identify the source of the attacker. So we're not looking at IP addresses specifically. IP addresses is a part of it, but attackers can, can generate these, these attacks from, you know, from all over the world, different types of IP addresses. We're looking at the fingerprint of the attacker. So is it a unique ID? Is it a device ID? Is it a very specific attribute that they're using to try and attack the API? Okay. Then it's going to feed back into your existing uh, security tooling and go, you need to block any of these transactions referenced with this unique ID. And that's the beauty of running it in a big data engine. It is simply a must in this, in, in this space. And, and, and that's part of the reason why you said it's, it's not a, it's not a once off exercise. You've, you've got to continuously do it because you might be, be your, your, code and API stuff might be fine today but tomorrow you've released a new feature in your app and and uh, I'll open up. Exactly. So the API today, API six months, is probably not going to be the same, right? <laughs> it's an API drift. Yeah. So Salt has this ability to understand API drift analysis. It's going to give you an idea of what APIs are documented what are not. Another key aspect to it is understanding shadow API endpoints. So are there endpoints out there that are still accepting API calls that are no longer in use, but they're still there? So these are the important aspects of it. And then more importantly, once you've got all this information, how do you feed this back to your developers to obviously improve your API posture? Yeah. And this is the shift left that everyone's talking about, right? So then we're giving him recommendations to say, well, if this API is doing this specific function based on what it's tracked within, you know, within the, the requests and the response, it's going to tell you exactly what you need to do to secure it and improve your API posture moving forward. So that's, yeah. So it's basically removing that human error element. Um, out of the equation, basically. Absolutely. And then it gives developers time, you know, more time to focus on the building of the APIs with, with a solution in the back end, you know, kind of tracking and understanding, identifying what's going on. It's now feeding that information back to them to say, you need to change. So what they can do now is really focus on enhancing the business, but ensuring that the APIs are secure because anything that you do has to be authenticated. So how are you authenticating? And people can leave the organization. Think about a third party developer mm. who is developing some software for you. They leave yeah. the, they leave an organization and they can take the bearer token, which is effectively what authenticates an API to an endpoint. 
how do you know that? Because yeah. he now has the keys to the kingdom to actually go and authenticate to these endpoints to do what he needs to do. These are things that you've got to constantly keep thinking about, right? So, you know, how often are these uh, authentication tokens changed? You know, what's the expiry? Just like you would in any human being who's in an organization, password changed every 90 days. The system keeps telling you these are things that you've got to factor in into the API space. And to me, to me, what you're talking about now, it's uh, uh, almost like what you and I spoke about earlier. This is not a this is not a general IT IT generalist um, security type function. This is this is in this new rapidly evolving dev world. You have to partner with somebody that's uh, an, an expert in the in the field. Absolutely, and at least you know, more importantly, understands just you know how vulnerable these APIs are. And, and, you know, and one thing you've got to be able to do is keep your name out the headlights. Right? Yes. You know this. You can't protect what you can't see. So if you don't know the APIs that you currently have today and what they are doing, then how do you protect these things? You know, um, and it's, it's big because I think the world is shifting towards this far more quicker than we realize. In terms of what's been able, you know, what they're exposing. Definitely so. And then if a customer has no idea, let's, let's just say in a, in a mind, it's a general mess. Um, with endemic and assault platform, one can, one can come in and, and almost do a discovery and try and work out what the environment looks like. Absolutely. Okay. So one of our partners, uh, IT Devron, they have a, a salt security solution in play. Okay. Um, and can do these discoveries for you. So basically we just, and it doesn't really matter. The, the key thing is it's environment agnostic. That's the, the big part, right? It doesn't matter whether you're on-prem, whether you're in server infrastructure, networking, security, firewalls, load balances, you know, public cloud API gateways. It can take all that data and feed it into the, into the, the Soul Cloud so, so, so it's not a massive change in an existing nope, environment? Not at all. Because I, I assume that would be met with quite a lot of resistance. We don't want to change stuff. It's no, too much you don't, work. you don't want to change anything. So effectively what it does is it it looks at the a copy of all the traffic. It strips out only the API-specific uh, uh, parameters, feeds it into the engine, and then starts to do an analysis on and then starts to look at couple three key things. How many APIs you got? How many endpoints you're using, and then how much sensitive data has been exposed as part of the APIs? That's just the discovery phase. Then it's going to dig into the API itself and start giving you things like, you know, um, have your um, JOT tokens expired from an authentication perspective, or are they not set to expire? And it's going to dig into the into the security aspects of it and make sure that you understand that. As part of my response and my request, what data am I exposing? And if this data that I'm exposing is sensitive. It has to be authenticated so we know exactly who it's coming from and then improve the, the API security posture by the shift left approach to make sure that you, you know, you secure it moving forward. Okay. Uh, so to me, it just comes back again to, uh, we always come back to it on the show is, uh, if you're not certain, uh, let the experts come and have a look. And the worst thing that uh, can come out of it is some peace of mind to say everything in your environment is 100%. Absolutely. But, uh, but I mean, I think, uh, based on what, uh, what we discussed earlier, I think there's, there's, there's probably not one company on, on the planet that can say, I don't have to worry about, about uh, any of the security. There's stuff going on. Well, well, we haven't seen anything to date. It would be nice to be fair because you'd be in a good place, but we just haven't seen any to date. And it's not, it's not because you're not doing anything wrong. It's just because it's a completely new, it's a completely new space. Yes. And it's becoming so relevant in, you know, 
in the world we live in today that these things are happening, you know, at a rapid, rapid rate and it's difficult to keep up. And again, the human part is remove as much as you possibly can, automate a huge amount of this. And the only way you can do that is if you have a big data engine that can, that can understand and transact with these volumes and then understand the contextual behavior of the API. So the business logic of the API, not just the transaction. Um, it has to be the, 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 you know, the context of the, of the data itself. And that's the key thing. Craig, thank you very much for your time. I, I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. Like I said, I was convinced that uh, I was going to learn something new and I, I definitely some food for thought. Awesome. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember, you can listen to all of the podcasts on the Cliff Central app or website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And um, if you're looking for help with communication tools in your business, please visit catalytic.co.za.